the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. the Nick D podcast. How you doing? I'm Nick DeGilio and this is the Nick D podcast as part of the Radio Misfits podcast network, the greatest podcast network in the world. This is episode number 214 of the Nick D podcast. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening and downloading and all that cool stuff. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we got a lot of people listening to this podcast and we thank you for the support and please spread the word. Share us, rate, review us on every platform. You can find all of uh, my podcasts available everywhere uh, on every platform as part of the Radio Misfits uh, Network. Uh, Radio Misfits Podcast Network is the best podcast network in the world, as I mentioned. We also have a 24-hour streaming service that's free. It's just like radio, only a lot cooler. And the programming is unbelievable. In addition to great unsigned bands from the Unheard Music Show, you can hear amazing music throughout the day, but also all the episodes of the great podcasts available at Radio Misfits, including my two podcasts. You can hear this very podcast, the Nick D Podcast, daily at 3 p.m. Central. And you can hear my other podcast, which is called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast, the best Saturday Night Live podcast in the world. You should subscribe now. Uh, and you can hear that daily at 9 a.m. Central as part of the free 24 streaming service, 24-7 streaming service at radiomisfits.live. So bookmark it, listen to it, like radio, only cooler. Free. RadioMisfits.live. All right, welcome to the podcast. Today, coming up, my good friend Amy Guth is going to join us, one of my great regular guests. I love Amy. Um, she is a journalist, a writer, a podcast host, a filmmaker, a producer, a, a director, an amazing talent who is uh, having adventures in L.A. that she loves to share with us every few weeks. Uh, always great stories. Amy is hilarious and smart. She's also uh, the host of um, Crane Business's Daily Gist podcast. We'll talk about that. Plus, uh, we'll talk about making of movies. She's uh, selling an Elvis movie that she made and uh, working to get those into the film festivals around the world. She also wants to talk about uh, some of the other crazy stuff that she's doing in L.A., the incredibly tight, crazy schedule where she's been working herself to the bone. A lot of fun stuff happening there. Uh, some TV that she's watched and movies that she's seen. And some of the details on what it's like to actually scout for locations and make movies. We'll get some behind-the-scenes stories on that. Amy is awesome. She's hilarious. She's wonderful. Used to work with me back at the car wash at WGN. Um, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to one of my favorite regular guests. And that's the great Amy Guth coming up. And then after that, the wonderful Esmeralda Leon joins me. She is my cohort in crime, my regular co-host on this podcast, who joins me in the third segment of every episode. And today we are going to jump into a package of snacks that we got from Universal Yums. UniversalYums.com is this great company that sends out packages filled with savory and sweet and candies and all kinds of great treats and potato chips and all kinds of crazy treats from all parts of the world 
And uh, our friend Deanna, who is a regular listener, signed us up for Universal Yums. And every month you get a box in the mail that has all kinds of amazing snacks in it from a specific part of the world. And we are going to dive in for our first taste test. Uh, we're going to dive into Universal Yum's box full of Polish treats. And uh, in addition to sending a box full of treats from Poland, they also send a booklet, which uh, has all kinds of facts about Poland and about the, the treats that you're going to eat and where they're from. And there are all kinds of uh, fun Polish sayings and poems and interactive fun little booklet thing that you can do. There's a map of Poland and a box full of amazing treats. So we're going to taste test a couple of really cool treats directly from Poland because we like to taste test weird stuff and fun snacks and tell you all about it. So that's one thing that Esmeralda and I are going to do. We have a magic megaphone message that I have to get to, and we're also going to get back to our witty retorts topic. You know when somebody says something to you and you want to get back at them, but you, maybe you don't have something there that you really want to tear them apart, you want to say something witty, you, know, you want to have a comeback. You want to have jerk store. Remember when George Costanza said, yeah, well, the jerk store called because they're running out of you. That whole thing. So you want to have jerk store. You want to have a witty retort. So we're going to talk about some of the uh, great historical uh, witty retorts that people have had uh, when they've come back from, uh, from an insult. So great snacks from Poland, from Universal Yums. Me and Esmeralda will do that and talk about that. Uh, Amy Guth, uh, an incredible talent, is going to be joining me to talk about some of her adventures. And that's all coming up right here on the podcast. And you can be a part of this podcast by uh, leaving your voicemail 24-7. We want to hear from you. By the way, the anti-Valentine's Day show is coming up in, Feb- in February, uh, the second week in February. Uh, and I want to hear your anti-Valentine's Day stories. So please email them or voicemail us. Great breakups that you had, terrible breakups, your favorite heartbreak movies to watch, the saddest heartbreaking songs of all time. I hate Valentine's Day. And this Valentine's Day actually coming up, this will be the first time I've actually had a girlfriend in many, many, many years on Valentine's Day. And I still hate it, even though I'm, I'm perfectly th- in bliss with the girl that I'm dating. Julie rules the planet. But... I still don't like Valentine's Day. So we're going to talk about like breakups and uh, your favorite songs that break your heart and the best movies to watch that are anti-Valentine's Day. Uh, and we want to hear from you. What are your breakup stories and what are your favorite horrible songs and your favorite horrible movies to watch to break your heart on Valentine's Day? Because Valentine's Day sucks. So any voicemails that you want to leave on any topic or any questions, but Valentine's Day stuff, we would love to hear from you, anti-Valentine's Day. The voicemail... Uh, system is up 24-7-773-417-6948. Call right now. You can email us with any of those um, things at nickdpodcast at gmail.com, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to be a sponsor on this podcast, by the way, a lot of people listen to this podcast, so it would behoove you if you have a business or a product that you would like to advertise on this podcast. It'd be good for you. Trust me on that. So you reach a lot of people. So say, hey, I want to be a sponsor. I would like to advertise on the Nick D Podcast. It's that easy. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com, and you'll get on here, and everybody will be happy, and uh, you'll be a very, very good sponsor uh, for the Nick D Podcast. So get your advertising in here now, sales at radiomisfits.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound and all the cool, weird stuff and the weird all sounds and all the craziness. I love him. He's down in Houston. Love Jason Skaggs. And, of course, Ed, Scylla, and everybody at Radio Misfits handles everything else. It's a wonderful uh, partnership, and I love being a part of Radio Misfits just for over two years now. I've been doing uh, podcasts for Radio Misfits. 
Couldn't be happier. So uh, that's what's coming up on the show. And, of course, this lovely lady hangs out Hi, on my I'm back Carrie porch. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you Hi, do, Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. She's ready on the back porch. I'm ready in the studio here, and you are ready to listen to the great Amy Guth. And she will be joining us after I tell you that you completely need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. Yeah, every time I hear that, I think that uh, the prodigy is going to come busting out at any moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it never gets old. And it never my, gets old, and it smack never smack my bitch up. Uh, if they, if they, That's if exactly they, right. <laughs> Hi, Amy. Amy Guth, everybody. How you doing? Hi, Nick. How's it going? Oh, it's okay. Uh, we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. We made it here. We made it. We made it to another uh, another adventure on the Nick D podcast. I appreciate you coming on, and you're always one of my favorite guests, as you know. I um, thank you very much. I'm yes. always happy to be here. And, uh, and Amy and I used to work together uh, at the uh, the car wash at uh, over at WGN, and uh, uh, and uh, Amy worked for the Trib and did the Red Eye and all kinds of great mm-hmm. stuff. How long did How long were you with the Red Eye? Um, about two years. It wasn't, it wasn't long. It was just the last two years that I was with Tribune company. And, uh, I mean, it really, I think came about because I was like bitching about how few women were in management and like the women who were in management were killing it and they were awesome, but there just weren't that many compared to how many dudes were there. And so then it was kind of like, okay, there's a job open wise ass, go do it. <laughs> you know, it's like that. <laughs> Uh, the red eye was fun. I thought I really enjoyed the red eye. I thought the red eye was uh, was great, oh, and I liked so the fun. I liked the the online edition of it. I thought it was the right thing at the right time for that paper and for that company. That's exactly right, and it was you know it, it was completely fun, and it was you know just the whole newsroom vibe was always fun and very experimental, and um, you know I mean part of the job that I had was also like the operational stuff. So when people which was a thing that happened all the time, uh, set newspaper boxes on fire in the middle of the night. I was the one who got that phone call, which was pretty fun. Oh God. <laughs> one time someone oh, no. like some, one time someone like lit every newspaper box on Chicago Avenue on fire before they got like stopped and busted. They were like progressively moving towards downtown and just setting them all on fire. I was like, really, man, could you not have done that what? the night before with the old papers? You have to do the new ones. I wasn't um, aware that that was a thing. What, people set newspaper boxes on fire. Yeah, once in a while, that's the thing that people do. Um, and the red eye was easy because you it was a free paper, so you didn't right. have to put a coin in to open it. You could just throw your fire accelerant right in there. Yeah. Um, but f- there was a time that red eye had, and this was kind of like this, the, a, a kind of a, an open secret at Tribune, red eye had the highest circulation of any paper in the city for a while in the city proper, right? Like Tribune had more subscribers. Sure. And, be- because it included like the suburbs and part of Northwest Indiana, but just for city proper, 
you know, Red Eye was had such a big circulation and it was it was so fun to do. And it was, you know, the newsroom was pretty young. And so it was like kind of this experimental um, vibe in there. Like you didn't have a lot of people that had been in newspaper for a long time and brought in like this is the way it's it this is the way it has to work you didn't have a lot of people coming in with that you had a lot of people coming in with kind of new fresh ideas so it was really fun and we did a lot of events and um there was a great great um uh, video lead at the time sean ely who was so fun and experimental and um and funny we're kind of reminiscing about it just the other day i was thinking about remember that ice bucket challenge where people were like dumping water on their heads i um I was like, I'll do, I got challenged to do it by somebody. And that was for MS, correct? Was it for? It was for ALS. ALS, right. Sorry. ALS, right. Okay. And I was like, okay. Like I got challenged to do it. And, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll tell you what, like for every bucket of water that the newsroom wants to dump on me, I'll make a donation to the cause. And then they made it like a thing. And that video is still out. It's on YouTube. You can find it. It's very funny. But I, I let out such, and we did it on the roof of the Tribune. People were dumping. I mean, they got like huge tub. It wasn't a bucket. It was a huge, it was like a wash basin of right. ice water. Right. And, uh, and they were throwing this water on me on the, on the roof of the Tribune. Uh, but I let out this shriek because it was so damn cold that, that the, that Sean Ely, the video editor that I mentioned, he remixed my shrieking <laughs> with a Taylor Swift song. And it was very hilarious. Come on. Like, some, some people were doing that with like, um, cutting in, uh, using pop songs. Anytime there was like a high note, they would cut in like a, a clip of a goat letting out right. a noise. Yeah. They took, they took the goat out and he took the goat out and he put my shrieking in there. And it's very, very funny. And I was just thinking that the other day and I was happy to see it was still available on YouTube. So that's still out there. So the, the remix with Tay Tay is still out there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God. We have, I have to see that. We have to like get a hookup to that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, come I'll on. Find we, it. I'll email it to you. Maybe you can patch it in a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to send that to Travis Kelsey too, man. Let's get, let's get, uh, let's, let's make sure that that's shown every time they cut to Tay Tay at a football game. They need to show you getting, <laughs> you need to get dumped with water on every time they sh- they cut to her. Uh, and I really do let out this like. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> I remember when that whole challenge was happening. Um, um, uh, I was challenged by Dave Ennett. Oh, uh, yeah. He got dumped, and then he challenged me, and I went, "Nope, I'll donate." Because that was the option. It was either <laughs> it was either you you get dumped on or you donate money. And right. I donated and, I do, and I donated a bunch of money. I said, "No, you're not dumping water on me. I will happily donate money to the cause and plug it, <laughs> but you're not right. dumping water on me." So <laughs> and that was sort of the thing that I didn't love. It was like, I mean, people were like, "Oh, I'd rather dump the water than donate." I was like, "Do both, dudes. Do both." Yeah. Yeah. Because it, experiencing cold water is worse or is not worse than having ALS. Why don't you just do both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I understand. I just yeah. opted for not. And I was like, no, I'll, but I will give money. I will happily give yeah, money. Yeah, no. Because when, the right when, when the option was you can either get water dumped on you or you can donate, I'm like, well, you know, because a lot of people, and I, and I know that this was a thing too, Amy, the thing that I remember bringing up when I was talking about this on the air years and years ago was I was like, so the people that get water dumped on them, they don't have to donate? Is that like a thing? Exactly. Is that, that's yeah. bullshit, right? I right. mean, that's... <laughs> right. And that was my complaint, too. That, yeah. that was like, well, that's right. silly. How about we say um, dump everybody water who and wants donate. to come dump yeah. water, I'll, I'll donate. And so they had yeah. like a little 
cash ticker on the bottom of the yeah. screen every time yeah. they dump water on me. Yeah. See, and that makes sense. That's how you do it. But like I, yeah. when I was when it was presented to me, it was like we'll dump water on you or you or you donate. And I'm like, well, shit, I'll donate because I'd rather. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, but no, that was I, I remember know, when that was a big thing. Yeah, God. I, I have done so many things in my life because I've been like challenged or dared to do it. I think that's actually the best way to motivate me to do anything. Um, yeah. I was on the air at the car wash and I had somebody come in from the Special Olympics and she was plugging the polar plunge that was happening the following oh, morning. Oh, and so, I, I, you know, we were on late, Nick, right? Oh, so yeah, we were. it's about at that point, it's like. <laughs> I don't know, 11 o'clock at night. I've still got the whole show to go. And she's talking about this and it's for a great cause and it's for Special Olympics. And she's like, you should come join us. I can't say no at that point. Right. There's no way that I can be like, no, nah, right. I don't yeah. want to be cold for such yeah. a good cause. So yeah, I was no. like, all right. And yeah. then, you know, people start texting and calling and they're like, do it. I did it. It's great. I'm like, yeah. ah, shit. I yep. am jumping in Lake Michigan tomorrow. It was so cold. I remember they had cut a hole in the ice so that we could even oh. run into the water. And they had EMTs out standing. They had like hip waders on standing in the water for just a few minutes at a time and kept switching out with other EMTs. And they all had like AED paddles nearby because they thought we were going to go into cardiac Now, arrest. what did you wear so when, you, when you jumped in? What were you wearing when you jumped in? Because you don't want to be weighed okay, down, so right? I mean, I mean that's and, right. and then See, you get out I and have sopping clothes stuck to you, right? I mean, that can't be. They're sopping for only a minute and then they freeze to you. Then they so freeze, actually, right. Yeah, it was a WGN caller said, I'm not saying this to be a creep, but like you really want to wear as little as possible because your clothes are going to freeze and make it worse. I was like, yeah, yeah, buddy. I'm not jumping in Lake Michigan in a bikini at seven in the morning tomorrow. And he was absolutely right. That the, so I, I had like shorts and a t-shirt and I did keep shoes on because I was like, I'm not going to be able to feel my feet when I get out. So I'm just, I had like an old pair of sneakers and you are in sort of a little tent and and like i had a, a blanket and i had my friend with me and i handed her the blanket and then and they sort of had little heaters in the tent area and then they blow a whistle and they're like you know you five go and five of us just kind of ran towards the water and and jumped in and uh, my friend kind of ran alongside and she got video of my face when i like dunked <laughs> and it was very funny because oh, you can see God. like my soul leaving my body for a second, like yeah. <laughs> you just see this look on my face. So, and then I got out and I'm laughing about it. And the funniest part was then they kind of um, channel, they like send you off like men and women to different tents to change clothes and get out of the cold clothes. And um, she, my friend handed me a robe and a towel. And the funniest part was nobody in that tent. It was just a bunch of women and none of us could feel our, you can't feel your limbs and you're trying to take your take your frozen clothes off and put your warm clothes on and it was just the comedy of errors of oh, people man. falling falling over hitting each other in the butt like knocking other people over like dominoes it was actually we were all laughing so hard because it was just so ridiculous and none of us could like feel our feet or our hands or anything oh my god i can't even imagine that i can't even imagine that. so what is it with you being shocked with cold I, this is, a, is this, has this, <laughs> are these the only two examples right. of that? Have you, is, is that other thing? Have you ever done other things where you're being completely shocked by cold? Not on purpose. No. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't love cold. I like, I like warmth. Um, yeah. no, I, I, and you know, I feel like, okay, I did the polar plunge. I never need to do that again. Despite lots of people saying, oh, it's so good for the system. I did not feel that way. I felt right. very off for a couple yeah. of days. Yeah, I can uh, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a heat seeking creature, gotcha. not, not a cold right. seeking. 
but it was like, you know, okay, good cause. I guess yeah, I'll do course. it, you know. Of course. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, back to Red Eye really quick. I, I, I don't know if we yeah. talked about this in the past, but um, like I was saying that that was the right thing, the right thing at the right time. What was yeah. it like to, you know, as a journalist and as someone who was working on that paper at that time, and what was it like being in the world of journalism? Because that was right at a weird time with technology. It was like before social media, like, busted open and took off, but yet there was an internet presence and there were websites and there were certain things where Red Eye incorporated, you know, uh, the internet and socials yeah. as much as that time. It was cutting edge for that time period, but as technology changed, what went along with that on your end, on the on the on the journalistic ending? What were the what were the challenges of being on the cutting edge of that technology at that time? Well, that particular phase was more Tribune time for me. And once I got to Red Eye, we were pretty much in the throes of all the the digital stuff in journalism. Yeah. Um, but I clearly remember having this moment because everybody was like grumbling when it was still cute to say, what is it? Tweet, twat, twit. <laughs> what is that? Like when yeah. it was still funny to be <laughs> like that. Um, it's and, always and people, funny, by the way, Amy, you know, it's always funny to say twat. That's always funny. It's all twat is always <laughs> funny. So that we're clear. Yes. <laughs> always. Uh, but you know, like a lot of people were resisting. Right. And, um, and I was working in the book section at the Tribune at, at the time. And I was just like, you know what? my dudes, this is coming at us, whether we like it or not, we should just learn it all. Like, it doesn't matter if you like it, it's going to happen. And it's going to either help you or hurt you, we should figure it out. And I had like early social media, I had, I had a book that came out right before then. And my book publicist lost her husband, and she left the country, she had, you know, other things to deal with than my book. And so I was kind of like, the publisher was kind of like, ah, it's your first book, whatever. I'm like, no, it, not whatever. Let's do this. And so I, I was like, I'm just going to like assign myself this story of learning everything I can about digital media and all of it. And just, yeah. tr just throw all the spaghetti at the wall I can and see what sticks. And I, I ended up um, crowdsourcing part of my book tour. I had to drive to New Orleans and then I went to Texas to see my, my brother and then back to Chicago. And I was like, I'm, this is the route I'm driving where should I stop and what should I do? And people were not only giving me like basically arranging book tour stops for me, but they felt like they had a stake in it. So they made sure people showed up. They made sure oh, that cool. there was some local press. There was, cool. there was even people like recommending stuff like, well, I don't have a book tour stop for you, but there's a great restaurant that my brother-in-law owns and this, you know, you're going to drive right by it, stop and say hi. And so I was like stopping and saying, you know, taking selfies with people. And it was just really fun. And I felt really supported doing that. And, and that's actually like what, um, kind of the Tribune got in touch with me originally for it. They saw me doing that and the first leg of it. And they were like, hey, come do that here. And I was like, no, thanks. I like being freelance. And then they kind of kept coming back at me. Yeah. Um, and so by the time I got there, it had really taken off. And there's people that were really resisting it. And and I convinced the editor at the time, the editor at the Tribune, Jerry Kern, um, that, hey, you know, we need a, this shouldn't be something like the interns are running. Like we need a person to like, you know, we really need somebody in the newsroom yeah. all the time, you know, doing this. And, and he created that job for me. And, and I trained like 1800, more than 1800 journalists around Tribune company. I was like traveling to the other papers and teaching them how to use Twitter, like in a way, like here, here's the smart way. Here's how you use it as a reporting tool. 
and here's how you here's how you can make sure each one of your tweets has keywords and it's efficient and it's easily found and it's and I I always um, pointed to this example was when uh, there was a lot of protesting happening in Cairo and and people were demanding that you know that Hosni Mubarak um, address people whatever and at least like he'd kind of been MIA for a couple of days and not not addressing the protest yeah. and and. Uh, I remember that Al Jazeera tweeted out, it sent a tweet that said like, leader addresses nation, and then a link, and, and the link sent you to a landing page that had the feed in like English or Arabic. And I retweeted that and I just said, because they hadn't used any of the keywords, and I said like, Mubarak colon Egyptian leader addresses nation, and then put the link and then wrote via Al Jazeera and tagged them and whatever. And for a few hours, my tweet was doing better then they're, you know, like my, my tweet was kind of trending and I was getting like thousands of followers and I was like, dudes, I don't cover, this isn't my normal beat. I'm just covering yeah. kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah, more of like yeah. in the, in the tech space. And, uh, but nonetheless, all, and so I always, I, I made kind of like a white paper out of that. And I used to present that when I was training other journalists to just kind of say like, this is the power. If you put the right words in there, like this is the power of that. And this is for things that are your beat where you do want to establish credibility, look at the power you have to do that. And look how we often give that space away by words like breaking instead of like the word you want to use. And, and so I trained a lot of people to use like a lot of tools that were just, or, that were, are still underutilized in social media and how to use it efficiently. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I saw so much resistance. I mean, um, there was one guy that said, I can't believe you're throwing away your journalism career to play video games or whatever this is. And I was like, this is journalism too, and this is going to matter. And I really feel like we're going to enter a point when it's going to matter less what, um, it's not that the, the outlet will matter, will not matter, but it, it will start to matter less about what the outlet is. And it will start to matter more about the credibility and reputation of that particular journalist. People are going to yeah. follow that journalist. And he was like, that's not even a thing. I don't know what words you're saying. And then, you know, yeah. Sure enough, you know, that's yeah. kind of how it is. And and do, when when NATO G8 was in Chicago, I remember that particular guy um, was looking, he, he kind of lost his, his reporter lost a protest they were trying to follow because there were so many different groups protesting and different reporters following different groups. And they all kind of converged at State and Lake and it got messy and then no one knew which group they were following and whatever. And I'm sitting there and I like, did a Twitter search and I found a guy who was live streaming from that group using like, it was like an Occupy group. And I was like, oh, looks like they're walking, you know, north on whatever street. And he's like, how the hell do you know that? And I'm like, well, look, because there's a guy, yeah. you know, part of the leadership and he's he's streaming. And that's when he realized like, oh, this is OK. I get it. I get it. This is a tool that we can be using. Um, so it was interesting. I mean, I people all, often were like, oh, I'm you know, my my kid is thinking of going to journalism school. Is that a disaster? And I was like, no, I think actually right now I feel like I have a front row seat to a, a really interesting moment in history and also on the other side of it we're going to need journalism more than ever because it's going to get more complicated yeah wow it's an incredible time to be a part of that really i mean really totally um, it's Completely. funny because i i was you know i was on the radio obviously when all this stuff was happening and and i would uh, one of my regular guests uh, was it was a co-worker of yours and mine uh steve johnson mm -hmm. was a regular on my yeah, show sure and steve covered all this kind of stuff uh, you know um, yeah definitely and, and 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 i remember having him on and i remember specifically uh me being a real smart ass about twitter 
Like I was like, oh, this yeah. isn't, you know, like being like, what is it? How many words? What do you come on? You know, it, <laughs> and uh, like you have to do that. We get out of here. This is ridiculous. And, and, and Steve was like, no, I really think this is something. And, you know, and I should have listened to Steve because mm-hmm. Steve's a much smarter man than I am. Uh, and, and, and I was very critical and I was mocking Twitter. And I remember, I remember vividly Steve and I having conversations about tech and, the future of it mm-hmm. and things like that. And when, and, you know, and applying it to journalism, just like these people were yeah. saying to you and being, you know, like yeah. I was the dickhead who was saying that to, <laughs> to Steve. Um, and uh, it was kind it was amazing to, to track that and see how that all changed and to see how I was proven unbelievably wrong about my, you know, me being leery about Twitter and things like that. So. I mean, Incredible. it's so interesting. And I think, you know, a couple of people have said, Hey, why don't you write a book about social media? And I'm like, well, because, by the time that book would be out, it'd be obsolete. And that's sort of the nature of it is you have to yeah. be in. I, I absolutely, anytime someone says like, I'm a social media guru or expert by nature of what it is, that's impossible. And you need yeah. to accept that it's impossible. You're like, right. You need to understand. I mean, I'm kind of dabbling with TikTok finally. Like I, I kind of did about a year or two ago and then put it mm-hmm. down. And, and then I came back to it recently. And I started putting, I've been doing a bunch of location scouting and I've been putting just like quick little seconds long of like, here's this cool little thing I saw. And it's fascinating, like, because it's, it's not really, it's not really going out to everybody. It's going to a very specific group of like, so the people that want to see location scouts, I could not believe the response that I got from that. Right. And so I think that's interesting. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to just be open and learn about, you know, do embrace TikTok and all of its tools. And I think that's kind of the mindset you have to do. Yeah. I'm trying to embrace I can't, I can't do it. TikTok to it's me. It's hard, like, right? It's like TikTok to me. Every time I try to even look at it, I'm just like, fuck this. Cause it's always like, a, it's a girl with big tits lip syncing to something. <laughs> well, maybe that's, that probably says something more about my algorithm. You know what I mean? Than anything I'm else. I'm going to say that might be you. Yeah, yeah. That might be you. It might be me, but I don't, you know, like every time I see it, it's somebody doing a dance or they're lip syncing and I'm like, what the fuck? What is this? You know? And, and then I'll flip over to something else or I'll, you know, I'll go to the next video and the videos are either dumb or they're like, it's somebody like lip syncing or it's a voiceover mm-hmm. of, and or there's like like somebody is eating something bad and there's a <laughs> somebody's laughing you know what i mean like it's all this yeah. shit that i don't care about it's but again I, again probably says more about my algorithm than anything else but most of the yeah. time it's like girls with their boobs hanging out lip syncing or yeah. jumping up and down and i'm like i don't need to see this is this what tiktok is yeah. and it's not you know i know what? it's more but you know right 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 my my two comments on that are um one thing I used to say a lot about Twitter when people would say like, I don't care what people, you know, or people would say this about Twitter and Instagram. Like, I don't care what people have for lunch. Who cares? Who cares? People are like tweeting, oh, I'm eating a sandwich. And I was like, okay, well, the, the, you know, the antidote to that is to, instead of saying what's literally happening, say what has your attention? Because there's a difference in saying I'm eating a sandwich or I'm still on the hunt for the best meatball sub in Chicago. Those are two different things and they're going to get two totally different reactions, right? And I think the same kind of applies with TikTok. But I think if you were to go to like follow, like dig into some podcast hashtags on TikTok, Mm -hmm. because I, I got into a couple of them and I saw a bunch of people who were like, pretty young and just kind of starting out on their podcast journey, asking legitimate questions or talking about things they were struggling with, or some people who had been at it for a little while and kind of were sharing a thing and sharing a tip. And I was like, oh my God, this is, Mm. this, it was fascinating because I was like, man, this, some of this was, is stuff that like people that felt like, okay, I've been doing this two or three years. I've sort of mastered this edit technique or this microphone technique or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, what would you do with like, if 
enter Amy and Nick with, you know, the broadcast into podcast, if you, if we brought that in there, what would that do? What, what useful things? And it's like a single thing that people are teaching other people. And that part is really fascinating. The filmmaking yeah. part, like people are doing like, here's one camera thing. I saw a video that was like, here's the difference in shooting from an iPhone versus, you know, uh, an Ari Alexa lens. And he, you know, kept zooming in on his eyeball and that was it. And I was like, yeah. see, People are like teaching a thing or demonstrating a thing, and that's where it gets pretty interesting. To yeah, me. no, and that's great. And I just, I, you know, uh, I guess it's just because uh, one, I, I will not, I will not uh, uh, deny that I'm ignorant to most of it because I just have no patience. Like I get there and I look at it and I'm like, I don't want to see this shit. And then, but I know yeah. the people, and I know, I know for a fact. I mean, just like you telling me this, and other people and things that I've read, where TikTok is being used for really interesting, educational, and very cool purposes. Yeah. But every time I go there, it's a chick with big tits jumping up and down. And I don't need yeah. to see that in my life. You know what I mean? Like I'm Mine are mostly like, yeah, mine are mostly hilarious animal videos, which is totally right. fine. Yeah. I love. Right. There's well, a, really there's a woman with. Yeah. There's a woman who's like got a very heavy Scottish accent and she screams at her horse named Stephen. And I find her hilarious. <laughs> okay. There's like a little cranky Scott, Scottish toddler named Ivy that's just kind of like whining about not having her snacks. And yeah. she's very funny. I just um, haven't There's a lot of like funny animals. But I, I just get mad about like the makeup videos. I am bombarded oh, with like, here's how to transform your face so that everybody has this little impish, shiny nose. And I'm like, my nose is fucking fine, dudes. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah, shade it. Yeah. Not going to do a thing to it. And and, uh, and again, I, think, I, I guess it says more about <laughs> my algorithms than anything else. But I just, every time I just run out of patience and I'm like, I can't, even yeah. though I know that there's yeah. good stuff. I just, I, as soon as I literally, like, it takes me about 45 seconds before I'm like, I, I don't, what? And then I leave. I don't post anything on TikTok. Yeah. And I know what I need to do is learn more about it and embrace it and, and use it in, in the way that smart people would use it. And, and I know that that exists. I just haven't had the patience or the inclination to, to find it. You know what I mean? Like, I just, totally. I yeah. And I, and I sound and like I an think, old man, too. I sound like an old man. I really no, no, it's, I mean, there's only so many things we can tackle at a time, right? And like, yeah. our, our brain, like, we have so many fucks to give in a day. <laughs> right? We have to, we have to dole those fucks out accordingly. Exactly right. Exactly right. By the way, I haven't played this yet since you've been on. So hang on. Okay, I, we have to play that every time you're on. At least once, yeah. At least or once. At least um, uh, yeah. On a much cleaner podcast, you do host the Cranes Business Daily Gist podcast. <laughs> See how I smoothly segue from, from fucks <laughs> given to Daily Gist podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that everybody's thrilled about that at Daily Gist, that, that we went from fucks given to Daily Gist. But Daily Gist is a great podcast. Um, tell you. everybody about it and where they can get it and uh, what's the latest episode and so on and so forth. So it is the uh, Crane Chicago business sort of daily roundup. Every day I, I have an interview with somebody from the newsroom or sometimes a business leader uh, or an author. And then four to five stories that I summarize of kind of here are the top stories you need to know in the business world in Chicago today. And uh, we just we just surpassed our 1,000th episode, which felt- Congratulations. Wow. Wild. I couldn't thank you. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, and that's something. And what's interesting to me is like the- So it started in March of 2019 right as the Boeing 737 MAX was grounded. And right. it's interesting as we're rounding the bend on the thousandth, I was like, oh, how history repeats itself. <laughs> wow, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Right around episode 1,000, the Alaska airline shit is happening. That's Yeah. That's pretty – and a lot of other stuff in the airline business too. I mean, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know. By the way, did you watch SNL this past week? Uh, it wasn't. It was a terrible episode. It was the the guy who played Elvis in Sofia Coppola's movie. Uh, oh was in no, it. I did not. He was the host. The guy from Saltburn, which is a piece of shit that everybody really likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he. I don't even know his name. Uh, Jacob Alardi. Jacob Alardi. Sure. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll trust Let's me. Let's go that. with that. <laughs> well, they did an unbelievably funny uh, commercial for um, Alaska Airlines. Um, oh, how funny. Brutal. Like really, really funny. And Andrew Dismukes, who is this sort of, uh, he's, he's, it's, he's in his, uh, I think it's his third season with SNL, but he's young, you know, like he's in his, mm-hmm. he's still in his, like, I think late 20s, so he's a kid. Um, and he very, he looks very young. So he played the kid whose shirt got ripped off. On oh, the- God. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So you should check that out. But now a thousand episodes. Wow. A Daily Gist podcast. That's, that's really good. Do you still have fun doing it? You still love it after a thousand episodes? Yeah, it's, you know, because it's something new every single day. And I I get this kind of cool role in the newsroom that I basically have a one-on-one with every single reporter to interview all the people, right? To, to get all these interviews done. So I get to have these conversations, not just, you know, we have the conversation on mic about the story and, and we do the interview, but then oftentimes we'll have a little bit of, of pregame kind of just, okay, what didn't get in the story that you want me to ask you about? And, you know, what did you not have room to include or what's happened since, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes ask them that, um, on mic. And, and it's just kind of an interesting conversation and it's interesting to hear how, because, because I kind of get to hear how all of my coworkers are going about reporting some of these stories. And some of them are so difficult. Some of them are so challenging and, you know, really challenge them with, with bigger narratives about things that are happening in the world with things that are like, why, Watching office space shift so completely into a thing that was huge and so essential to so much vacancy because yeah. the world has changed and you can't really unring a bell. So it's so it's an interesting place to just be an observer. Well, that's great, and it's a great podcast. And uh, and you. you work you work with uh, my old friend, our old friend. You still hang out with him, Todd Manley, the great Todd Manley, uh, yes. who I spoke with not not too long ago for the first time. Wonderful in a long time. Yeah, we had a, we had a lovely conversation. It was great to catch up with him. But Todd Manley, enormously talented and gifted gifted guy. One of the one of the best people that I've ever worked with in the in the broadcast industry. Uh, oh. You know, Absolutely. A, a lovely man. So everybody check out uh, Crane's Business uh, Daily Gist podcast, and you can get it wherever you get your fine podcasts uh, out there. That's um, right. You, know, you were mentioning uh, some of the uh, things that you like to watch or uh, or check out on, on TikTok, and you mentioned um, uh, like scouting locations, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that uh, you wanted to mention because, you know, you're, you're making a lot of films now. You're out in L.A., you're working on scripts. You're going to be directing stuff. You've got a short film about Elvis in a laundromat that's going to go to your, you know, your, 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 uh, you're shopping it around to film festivals, and hopefully it'll play here in Chicago in May at the Chicago Critics Film Festival. That's something that you should check out for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're you've been working on that. But uh, you, you specifically were talking about uh, location scouting, which you do a lot of, and which you obviously mentioned as a TikTok thing that you watch. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about location scouting that you like so much? And tell me about standing sets. As you mm-hmm. as you as you mentioned in a in an email uh, to me, but I'm 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 really curious and tell everybody why you're so fascinated and you dig the whole location scouting thing. Well, it's fun to do, right? I mean, that's the headline is that it's really fun to do, and you want to do it really far out in advance, and and sometimes you do it a little bit preemptively so that you kind of have an idea to help you form the budget. And you're like, I know this will cost this much. This is really the location that has to work. And this is what it's going to cost to rent it or to, you know, whatever you're going to do. Yeah. And, um, and so it's, it's interesting. And, and, you know, that's part of like your arsenal as a, as a film 
professional, right? You want to build up kind of a, a, a mental, at least Rolodex, I'm actually making a spreadsheet of, of different types of locations so that you can be a great producer when a director is like, I really need something that looks like a bar in 1985 in Tokyo. You're like, I know just the place, boom. <laughs> and you can, you know, go to that. So I have this spreadsheet where I'm like, like tagging locations with like, and I'm even writing notes, like seems like a, would be good for a blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, here in Los Angeles, there are standing sets, which are so fun. I wish I could take you to all these, Nick, you would totally dig them. Cool. There's, you know, there's places like, um, you know, houses, you can't really, you know, replicate that. If you need an exterior shot of a house or a building, you're just going to go get that. But a lot of times the interior of the house, especially if like for a sitcom, that's a set that's built on one of the, you know, CBS or, or Paramount or whoever's lot, right? But there's sort of a, a lower uh, price point for filmmakers um, to make that accessible, especially the kind of places that that would be hard to borrow. You know, if you need a house interior or exterior, you can usually there's someone, you know, with a house you can like, hey, can we film in your house for my low budget, whatever. Right. Um, but some things are really hard to make. So there's these huge, it's huge, huge warehouse spaces with these assembled sets and they have huge prop and costume rooms. And it's a giant warehouse. And um, I filmed in one uh, working on a short film called Candies. And and they had a a built cubicle farm with with desks ready to wow. go. Wow. There was a, a hospital, like a hospital ready to go and a hospital room. There was a jail, a courtroom, a uh, there was an oval office. There was a police interrogation room. There was a bar. There was a morgue that was so cool. There was like an apartment, um, bedroom and living room, kind of a, um, sort of a, a loft apartment set. And they're just there. And then they have all this stuff, the set, uh, all the set pieces, and you can move them and fly in different walls. You can add different props and things like that. But they're so fun to play in. And some of them have, you know, themes to them. So the one I, I put on TikTok the other day was kind of this like, 70s 80s uh it was just this room filled with equipment from the 70s and 80s and it was kind of dusty and and thrown together so it was and it was kind of um the room was sort of dingy so it was lit to look like you know the villain's lair in the 80s right but they also had this really kind of crudded up apartment that you could use as a set that had interesting skylights so it looked like windows if you wanted daylight um, but you could also get in there and light them you could you could move the panels to cover the windows and light them if you needed a certain time of day. You could make that light happen. Um, they had a kitchen. They had, you know, there's sets of like if you have a cooking show and you want to film a pilot and your kitchen sucks, you can go and have this, you know, on cooking shows, the big fancy kind of set. You can have all those. And some of them are so cool because there's um, there's just, I'm a, I, I can't even tell you, there's so many of them all over the place. There's even like open land that looks like a desert, but it's wired for power. So that you can go do your do your truck commercial and look like you're out in the Great West, but also get everything lit really nicely without dragging a generator out there. Yeah, yeah. There's just kind of, there's castles and uh, there's a, a village of Victorian homes and a school and a pharmacy. There's just all this neat stuff. And some of them are just people's homes. They're like, I know I have a baller house. And if you would like to pay me to rent it, go for it. I'll go stay somewhere else. Um and so it's really fun to go through them and then talk to the the property owners about what this is and I was at one in uh, in Pasadena that um, you know one of the scripts that um, that I'm kind of looking for locations for right um, that I'm working on as a producer. Uh, part of it takes place in France, and 
rather than bringing the whole production there, you know, here's an option that actually this old building built in that style and inside and out, it would absolutely work for some of the interior shots that need to happen instead of bringing all the actors to France. Like some of those could, a lot of it could happen right here and to save costs. Yeah. So it's, it's just this kind of fascinating world of things. I mean, people have made like, uh, village markets, uh, you know, like old, old biblical looking sets. They're so interesting and it's so cool to go to them. I mean, if I could just like spend a week and just go to them all, I want to see everything, but yeah. uh, I don't know if, I don't know if I can get it done in a week. They're really cool though. It's very That's neat. great. I would love to see those. You're right. I mean, I would, if, if, if uh, I would love a tour of those. Uh, oh my God. If so I ever cool. get out to LA, we have to party in those places. That's what we're going to do. Absolutely. <laughs> Location scout party. That's it, man. That sounds fantastic. Very, very cool. Now you mentioned uh, during that uh, little conversation we just had, um, you you use the word spreadsheet. Now, um, <laughs> I want to bring this up. Because, I love them. Uh, I know you do. And I am also, by the way, dating a woman who I believe is the queen of spreadsheets, who is the queen of planning things out, spreadsheets, you know, itemizing things. Um, and uh, so what is it about spreadsheeting the world? Uh, what, what, uh, about spreadsheeting your world <laughs> and in what other capacities do you use the incredible world of spreadsheets? So my brain, well, first of all, none of our brains are supposed to hold all the information all day. We're not supposed to carry it around. We, we should write it down so that our brains can process information rather than just hold it. And I think my brain gets really jammed up if I'm just holding information. Mm-hmm. So I, and plus as, as a freelance person who works on multiple projects, which is my preference, there's also a lot of things I need to remember in a day. So I have a spreadsheet of all the things <laughs> so that I can remember, did I do this today? Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? And I just like check the boxes every day to make sure that I don't forget anything. Cause otherwise I'll, my head will hit the pillow and I'll be like, shit, I didn't do that one thing. God damn it. And I'll get up mm. and have to work on it. Mm-hmm. So that way I remember everything and I can give it a glance in the morning and like, plan my day and go, okay, here's the crap I need to do today. Here's this, here's this. Um, spreadsheets are magnificent for holding information so your brain doesn't have to and, and organizing it. So it's visual and it's right out there in front of you and it's organized and it's cool. I love them. I have so many spreadsheets for so many things. I, if, if she is the queen of, of spreadsheets, I am her. Well, I'm, I'm a lady in her court for sure. Let me, tell you, let me tell you something. You, you, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible how much you sound like her when you're saying this, uh, uh, you know, because like I look at that stuff and she's got it on her phone. She has all the stuff on yep. her phone and she can, and, and she's like, well, let me look this up. And she goes to like a spreadsheet with a schedule and with this and, and they're all in boxes, you know, like all that stuff. And I'm yep. like, God, color coded. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's really amazing how similar you, you guys are in that regard. It's, it's kind of incredible. So, so, I mean, she uses them a lot for her work because she works from home. Um, mm-hmm. and has a lot of stuff that she needs to do. And, and she does a lot of things on her own and, you know, has, you know, and, 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 and things like that and, uh, working on her own business and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, again, like you doing a lot of things like having, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, pokers in the, in different fires mm-hmm. and needing to organize it. And in, uh, in a little bit of a personal way too, like she's always like saying, okay, what are we doing this weekend? You know, here's this thing, <laughs> what are we doing? You know? And, and I'm not like that. I'm usually like, yeah, what's going on? What time am I going to be there? All right. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of like me. 
Um, but that's not at all. Now, so spreadsheeting in your personal, I understand for the freelance stuff that you do and all the incredible work that you do in different businesses and in different locations, you know, in different places and things like that. But now about your personal life, when you spreadsheet your personal life for things like you said, like creative work and yoga, things like that, that aren't like business related. Um, how does mm -hmm. the spreadsheet help you there? I mean, what can a spreadsheet not help? <laughs> a spreadsheet can help everything. A spreadsheet can help everything. I mean, I yeah, like I track film festival submissions. I track uh, come upcoming dates of like when I need to like do a film. But I also track, I don't track yoga because by nature it's not competitive. So I don't track that. But I do track um, how often I am doing yoga, like and how. Yeah. Because sometimes I'll go like, why does my back hurt? Oh, dumbass, you didn't do yoga for three days, dipshit. That's why. <laughs> or like your hydration sucks because you didn't drink enough water the other day, yeah, right? Like yeah. I um, I also have some health issues that I manage, like some autoimmune stuff. And that completely, I did not get a handle on it until I started tracking every single symptom because then I could look back over it and see patterns and go, oh, okay, well, this is these are the conditions in which I had this symptom. This is what made this. Okay, got it. That's very clear to me now. So to me, it's like being able to have the data because then you can look back over it and see patterns yeah. and adjust accordingly. Yeah. So I've used it for all kinds of things. I, certainly when I was running, um, when I was doing marathons, I used it all the time to track my runs and how I felt on them and what mm. I ate to feel a certain way. Oh my God spreadsheets are magic so no let me ask you this then on the on the opposite not on the opposite end but on the negative side or maybe not negative whatever um when you look at a spreadsheet and you have not completed what you wanted to complete that day does it make you feel shittier if you had not looked at a fred a spreadsheet in the first place do you know what i mean like no if you, no does it make you feel no, like okay i'm gonna get like this i'm gonna do more tomorrow and get it done or, or do you get you know invigorated by it so I'll, I'll look at like the daily task one and go, okay, um, these, to me, it's like the, the storage place of where I can go to pluck tasks. So yeah, I get, I get energized by it. I get okay. invigorated by it. Cause it feels mm -hmm. like, uh, almost making a game of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Very, very cool. I feel like I'm being judged a little bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not judging. No, no, no. I'm fascinated by it no. because I'm a, I'm a yeah. lunkhead. Yeah. I'm a lunkhead. Who's like, what time am I supposed to be there? I mean, I'm, I'm always on time yeah. and I'm reliable. Yeah. But I just don't write, you know, I don't like, you know, write spreadsheets out or do anything like that. And then like every time, you know, I'm with Julie and I look at all the stuff that she has and I look and I'm like, I'm just a fucking loser. You know, like I look, <laughs> I look at how great she is at great at organizing and doing things and getting stuff accomplished and having it all done in spreadsheets and on her phone and on her, on her computers and laptops yeah. and stuff. And I look at it and I'm like, man, I am a goddamn idiot. You know, <laughs> so it's not judgy. It's just I'm it, I'm judging yeah. me, if anything. I see. I see. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, right, right. It makes me feel like a bigger dipshit than I already am. That's all, you know. So. Right, right. Well, so so recently I decided um, a couple of things like converged, right? I, I have a friend who did. Have you ever heard of this this thing called the hard 75 challenge? I have. You're going to remind me, but I have. Yes. Uh, tell everybody it's, what it is. It's very hard, but it's essentially like for 75 days, you do two workouts a day for 45 minutes. One has to be outside. You drink a gallon of water. You have to read 10 nonfiction pages that improve you somehow. And it was like gotcha. all this, you have to pick, you didn't say what diet, but you have to pick a diet and stick with it for 75 days. And I watched my friend do this and she lives in Wisconsin where it is fucking cold. And she still did her 45 minutes outside every day. Man. And I was watching her do it. And I, I was like, and I read about the dude and I was like, uh, eh, he sounds like kind of a lot. I don't think this is my people. Yeah. Um, but I was really inspired watching her do that. 
and really noticed some some transformation in her. And she said, I didn't feel aligned with the guy either, but I felt like what spoke to her about the challenge was that it builds mental discipline. And I was like, oh, that is like catnip to me. I love that. Oh, yeah. So I was I was thinking about that. And then I was just thinking about like all the shit I got to do. And and I'm not, I'm very anti new year, new you. I do not do that kind mm-hmm. of shit. I don't do resolutions or whatever. But I was just kind of thinking about that and and just sort of like in a life reevaluation sort of moment, right? And And I was like, you know, my birthday is less than 90 days away, more than 75 days, but less than 90. What if I just did like a 90 days of just throwing everything I can at everything? So basically all the things on my spreadsheet, all my like daily tasks, I'm trying to do the maximum version of each one of those for 90 days. So I see. I am... I am kind of doing this, the 75, I've modified it a little, um, a gallon of water. I tried it as like a, a a dry run of of drinking a gallon of water and I got like drunk on water. It was weird. It was way too much hydration for me to not be, no, it did not work for me. So I was like, "Mm, I don't need a full gallon. That's going to be dangerous at some point. Um, I was like, I couldn't regulate my body temperature by the end of the day. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to pop. Yeah, I could. It was really weird. I was freezing. I was like this, and I had a headache. It was not good. But so a little bit of a modification. But I was like, you know, um, I like the idea of because if I just say I'm going to do everything at the maximum right now, I'm just going to be burned out in five days. But if I'm like for 90 days, I'm going to just go hard on lots of things and have specific daily tasks, personally, professionally, like fitness wise creative writing, like how many, like a word, hitting a word count, things like that. If I do that every day for 90 days, what would happen? And so I'm kind of going in without expectations. To me, it's the process is more interesting and, and documenting it is more interesting Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. what, what might happen. So that's what I'm doing with my spreadsheets. I'm trying to level them up. I'm refining my spreadsheeting. I see. see. Now after that 90 down, now is this a landmark birthday that you're hitting? Are you hitting a special birthday or just a, you know, no, Nope, just a regular birthday. It's not just like just a regular one. Yeah. Okay. Not not there's not a zero or a five on the end of it. You're just hitting a regular birthday. No. No, yeah, just a regular old birthday. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just just checking. Just funny because sometimes when you hit the zero or the five, people are like, shit, I gotta do something. You know, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And yeah. for some reason the zero and the five matters to people. Like, oh God, and you know. So you know what I've done? I've done the nines and the fours. Those oh, is that what like, you do? Okay. okay. I got I gotta because those are the ones that have been like, like when I turned 39, I was like, oh shit, I got to do some shit. But then, but then I woke up on the morning of my 40th birthday and I was like, oh, it's actually fine. And I give way fewer fucks. This is great. I love 40. Great. That's great. Right away. And then kind of did the same thing at 45. I was like, 44 was like, oh my God, I can't say early forties now. I have to say mid forties. And then I woke Mm -hmm. up 45 and I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I kind of, I guess I did the same thing. Um, and yeah, when I hit 50, I did, I, I was, uh, it was, it was, uh, on, on my 50th birthday, I was a month sober on my mm. 50th birthday. And that was kind of interesting. That was, that sure. was pretty interesting to, you know, like it was my first sober birthday and oh gee, shit, I don't even, <laughs> a minute, so yeah. my 50th birthday was my, was my first sober birthday in oh, shit, 40, not 40 years, but 30 years maybe. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it was interesting. Those 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 sort of those weird. Uh, but yeah, I should I, we should do the nines and the fours. I think that's what we should do. Yeah, to like prepare you for entering uh, that. Speaking uh, of, yeah. speaking of, um, like celebrating the you know so much of our like lives culturally kind of revolve around alcohol things. Yeah, and I was just reading the other day, um, the first non-alcohol bar in Los Angeles has just recently opened. Really? Yeah. That's it. Is, where is it? Is it is it near you or or? It's in Chinatown. It's not too far. I'm, okay. I'm west of there, but I'm definitely going to go because, first of all, it looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely beautiful. But it's like these kind of interesting, not alcohol cocktails. And to give people the idea of like, you can hang out, you can do yeah. bar social things and not center it around alcohol. And I'm yeah, very curious about awesome. that. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's fantastic. That's really, really great. By the way, I'm hitting, I got a nine birthday this year. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Wow, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do something. Maybe I'll do something for the night because I got that. I'm I'm hitting a nine birthday this year in July. So uh, all right, all right. I'll see if I can. I'll I'll talk with you about uh, spreadsheets. That's what I'm going to. I was going to say if you would like to borrow my spreadsheet <laughs> templates, I got you. <laughs> all right, great. Um, so uh, what do we, what what are you working on? Uh, what are you working on next? I know you watch a lot of dark TV. We can get into that next time we talk, but. Um, what's what's on the docket for Amy now? Um, you know, obviously working on getting the Elvis movie into some festivals. What else is happening yeah. that we can talk a little bit about briefly before I let you go here? Yeah, I mean, really focusing on on the two feature films, Open Road and uh, the adaptation of the David Morrell work, and just kind of trying to build packages around those and and get them up and running. Those are those are the big. That's kind of the big focus. And then there's a couple shorts I'm working on that I'm excited about too. Cool. So, cool. Yeah, lots of things. All right. Lots of stuff going on. And please check out the Crane's Business Daily Gist podcast. And uh, amyguth.com is the website if you want to check out Amy's uh, stuff that's happening in her life. Uh, Amy, always uh, just a blast to talk to you. Just uh, it's, it's always so much fun to, to have you on the podcast. And it's always a great time. So I Always it. a pleasure, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, that's Amy Guth. And I'm going to say hello. And we, we'll talk to her again in about a month or so. And uh, let's say hello right now to Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Lovely sounds of Jason Skaggs singing about Esmeralda Leon. And that's who is here right now. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. You know, getting through things. <laughs> so yeah. That's the best we can do. So, uh, cool. Uh, it is a Friday. Do you have uh, plans for this uh, lovely uh, weekend? Last weekend in, uh, in January, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, not at the moment. No. Okay. So just going to be at home. Celebrating the last weekend in January as we move on. Yep. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, we got some, uh, some cool stuff that we're going to be doing here now. Now, as you know, uh, Esmeralda, you were covering the world of snacks from Spain. 
over mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. over the past few episodes. Well, um, now uh, since I actually have a box that was delivered to me and not stolen from my lobby <laughs> in the my, my apartment building, I now have a box of snacks as well. So we both have a box of snacks from Universal Yums, thanks to our great uh, listener and friend Deanna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these snacks are from Poland. And in this Universal Yums uh, package, there's a whole bunch of snacks and, and a really cool booklet that has facts and trivia and some fun games that you can play about Poland and explains what every snack is. And so we'll, uh, we'll taste some snacks from Poland, uh, a couple of interesting ones. So we'll do that a little bit later. And I'm excited about this. I love these, uh, these, little, uh, these little boxes. I like the little map and, you know, the little activity book. Because at heart, you know, I'm nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, so we'll, we'll taste some snacks. So that'll be, that'll be very, very cool. Um, so now, you know, I do have a magic megaphone, uh, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for, for those of you who don't know what the magic megaphone is, uh, I throw that out there. If you want me to say something into the magic megaphone or record something into the magic megaphone and have it magically float out into the ether of the world specifically for you as an inside joke or a message to someone in particular or a movie line or whatever, I'm a monkey. I'm here to do that for you, and that's why we have the magic megaphone. So if you have a specific message or something you want spoken through the megaphone, leave it at, uh, at, our, at our voicemail line, uh, which is you know simple enough. You can leave it at our, vo- our voicemail line, which is 773-417-6948, or you can email it to nickdpodcast at gmail.com. So, Asmarla, we have a timely one, and a specific, and specific, mm. and, and specific to Chicago. Okay. All right. So, Dennis left this uh, message, emailed me, and uh, said that he wanted me to say this into the megaphone. Now, Dennis, now, I, I might, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a local Chicago story that's happening now that has been happening. That's mm-hmm. been kind of a focus, a weird sort of like focus in Chicago. And when I tell you what neighborhood Dennis is from, you might know what the story is immediately. Because Dennis uh, is from Roscoe Village. So do you... Yeah. Do you think you know what the story might be? Yes. Okay. Are you ready for what he wanted me to say into the megaphone? Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. The rat hole looks like a frog hole. The rat hole looks like a frog hole. So there you go. The rat hole looks like a frog hole. Right. So the rat hole. Dennis, yeah, Dennis in Roscoe Village, who lives in Roscoe Village. Seems to think that the rat hole kind of resembles a frog hole. Um, um, I mean, I could see that. Does he literally just mean it looks like a frog did it rather than a rat? Yeah. Or he is a frog it... hole a specific kind of <laughs> hole? <laughs> well, they've been calling it the rat hole. So what I'm, what right. I'm thinking is that he thinks a frog did it. Although there is that little swatch of a tail on the bottom. You know, yeah. Like it looks like a tail. Also, but frogs... Frogs don't have claw claws. And yeah. In the imprint, there are like little lines. Yeah. Well, well, for people who like might not know, claw. because we have listeners and subscribers from different parts of the country who might not live in Chicago or even Roscoe Village or whatever, might not have heard this story. Can you, is it possible, Esmeralda, to briefly explain what, <laughs> how this has turned into the phenomenon? Give, give, give some people the background on the rat hole in Roscoe Village. Right. So there's just a, a hole shaped like a rat in the sidewalk on a street uh, in Roscoe Village. And uh, it's been there. It's been there for a while now. Yeah. 
Um, and for some reason, it's just uh, blown up in the last month or so. And it's just, I mean, it's literally the, it's a, a rat that probably fell into some uh, concrete. Like wet cement, left maybe? Exact, yeah. it's, le- it's exact uh, imprint uh, into the into the uh, cement and i guess we just have nothing else to live for <laughs> right right it's become like a huge now everyone thing. is rallying around this thing people are coming from all over the parts of illinois and the city to go to this to the street here uh and i think it's on ashland if i'm not mistaken in roscoe village um and people are showing and they're and they're actually like putting you know how when they when they block off uh crime scenes they're putting yeah. little little miniature horses there and crime scene police tape around it. They're putting coins in yeah. it for good luck, right? Like people are putting mm-hmm. coins in the in mm-hmm. the. Um, so yeah, and it's become like a weird tourist attraction. And people in Roscoe Village are selling T-shirts now and online. You can buy merch, and it is the rat hole of Roscoe Village. Um, yeah, and actually, people the neighbors are getting tired of it because <laughs> of course people are. are people are actually being ridiculous about it. I mm. mean, I guess they want attention. Yeah, um, because apparently someone got married over there, <laughs> and they had a balloon, like you know those balloon things, <laughs> those like um, those arches. They brought a balloon arch. It's like. I mean, if I was those neighbors, yeah. And they say like people are leaving garbage and they're so yeah, yeah, people are just taking it a little too far now. Yeah. Which of <laughs> course, you know, is expected, right? I mean, in this day and age. Yeah, we yeah, people don't know how to act. Yeah, so. and, 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 and of course something that can distract us from how screwed up everything is, people will jump on it. And on top of that, now because everything is Instagram and pictures and you can post everything you mm-hmm. can do, you can do wacky stuff on the on the rat hole. And immediately share it with millions of people on your socials and stuff. So it's become the hipster thing to do. I did not know somebody got married at the rat hole. I wasn't. Yeah, um, they got married at it. And guess what? They're in people. There, there's a there's an article about it on People. So in People magazine. Yes. I can't believe. So there you go. They wanted some attention. They got some attention. Got some so attention, now so. forever and ever. They can talk about how when they got married, yeah. we were in people. And we were at the rat hole. <laughs> I can't believe they brought an arch, a balloon arch there. I can understand why the, why the name. Yeah. Now, Den- Dennis did not mention any of this, and he's in Roscoe Village. Uh, yeah. But Dennis seems to think it looks like a frog hole. This is what he, uh, as you, as you the heard. The rat hole yeah. looks like a frog hole. So that's what, that's what Dennis yeah. wanted me to say. So, so the, the, the rat looks like it jumped and extended its legs. So I could see cuz the back leg area looks frog-like. It does, doesn't it? A little bit. I'm looking at it yeah. now and I can yeah. I can kind I can kind of see Dennis's point, you know? I can kind yeah. of see it. It kind of has like haunches, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But it does it would... have a long tail. Yeah, he does. That's the thing. Uh, that's <laughs> that the thing rats that kind of or that, uh, that frogs do not have. <laughs> frogs do not have that. That's right. Dennis I think was like trying to make his his neighborhood seem less dirty by saying hey it's a frog not a rat come to roscoe village and eat you know like right. maybe also where did frogs come from like where do they i've the never sky. seen a frog a- a- just, according to yeah. according to according to my favorite movie of all time they rain from the sky in magnolia they rain, they rain from the sky so maybe there was a magnolia moment that just in roscoe village they had a little 
yeah reign of frogs um someone but- also so there's apparently some debate that it could be a squirrel and not oh. a rat which i could see that well but the, that tail is very thin though for squirrels have bushy big tails I've, I've seen some some rat or some squirrels with no hair on their tails oh, okay so. Okay, you sure that wasn't a, a rat? Could be. <laughs> sure wasn't no, I mean, there's a lot of squirrels. I mean, they're wild animals that yeah, they are. Yeah, been yeah. in fights or whatever, or something has happened to them, and yeah. So now, now, has there ever been a discussion during this entire you know six weeks of complete fascination and you know uh, social uh, social image images being put out and stuff and stories? Has anybody ever thought, well, why don't we just fill it in with cement? Has anybody done that? Someone did. Oh, they did? Someone tried. Yeah, someone tried to fill it with something, and then people rioted and pulled out the whatever was in there. I can't. I guess I haven't been following this story closely enough. I didn't know that someone attempted to fill it in and that there was a protest. Yeah, someone someone tried to fill it in. Yeah, and then they they cleaned it out. (laughs) They cleaned it out, and now it's shaped like the indentation of a rat. Still. Mm-hmm. All right. With, mm-hmm. with, you know, and snow covered it and there was ice and now water and cause it rained and now there are lucky coins and people are getting married around it. And okay. Yeah. So we'll see how long this fascination, has it died down a little bit or is it still, you know, well, no people are, the neighbors are just angry that people are showing up all the time. Yeah. Cause again, we don't know how to act and they're right. They're being like just noisy and all that. Okay. So the rat hole, uh, continues in uh, in Roscoe Village. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time that there was a story that was similar to this that caused so much sort of uh, local media attention and uh, internet folly. And I think the last one that I can think of that was even animal-related was mm-hmm. in Humboldt Park when Chance the Snapper, remember when the alligator was in, oh, the, yeah. mm-hmm. was in, the, was in the lake or the whatever it was, the pond? Yeah. Uh, I loved that guy. Now, see, that was cool because it was like a real, it was like a real crocodile, you know. And people came, and then they had a dude rescue him and set him free. Yeah. Um, um, apparently, Chance is doing well. Mm-hmm. He lives in he lives in Florida now. Right. Um, yeah. Which is good. He's growing. Because he was just a little so dude. That's good. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was a little. He was a little alligator dude. Chance the Snapper. This is like in, what was this like 2018 or something, or 2017 or something like that? Um, um yeah, so some uh, like 20, I believe like 20, somewhere around there, around 18 or so. Because I remember when it was happening, I was following it. We were talking about it on the show a lot, uh, and um, and I actually had like an alligator expert on, and then eventually I did have the guy on who captured and released him. Uh, took oh, him okay. To, took him to Florida. I had the guy. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name, but I had the, yeah, the guy. Frank on my radio Rob. Show. There you go. I've had yeah. I had him on, and we talked about. I actually have uh, a, a chance to snapper Humboldt Park alligator T-shirt, which I'm very uh, oh, very proud go. of. I uh, actually 2019. thought that, it was 2019. 2019. Okay. Yeah. Now here's why I remember it so specifically, Esmeralda, because it's very weird. Because he, Chance the Snapper was in the news for a long time. He was in Humboldt Park in this in this pond. And uh, they were like, what are we going to do about this alligator? An alligator shouldn't be in Humboldt Park. It's not safe for the birds or the people. And it's also not safe for the alligator. You know what I mean? Like, this alligator needs to be someplace mm-hmm. else. Um, and like, did he come up through the sewer? And there's all those, you know, those old uh, uh, 
those old wives tales uh and urban legends about you know somebody flushes an alligator a baby alligator on the toilet and then it grows and turns into yeah. a giant alligator in the sewer you know so there was that all that stuff but um the thing uh that i remember was that people were coming in and and uh and, and taking pictures but i remember it happened right at the, around the same time that the movie crawl came out now i don't know if you remember the movie crawl um no <laughs> Crawl was about Barry Pepper was in it, and and uh, and, and uh, an actress played Barry Pepper's uh, daughter, and they were stuck inside a house during a hurricane in Florida that floods the house. Oh yeah! And a giant alligator gets in, and they're trapped inside a flooded basement slash house with a with a crazy alligator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing that movie while Chance was in Humboldt Park. I remember it came out the same weekend. And I remember the box office, if you looked, if you looked at the, if you analyzed the box office for that movie, it was through the roof in Chicago on opening weekend. (laughs) Like the rest of the country, people were like, whatever, there's an alligator in this movie and I don't care. But in Chicago, because of Chance the Snapper, Crawl made an enormous amount of money on its opening weekend because everybody was like, let's go see the alligator movie. So, uh, but I remember that. So that's the last time that there was kind of a weird local neighborhood animal-related story that captured Mm -hmm. the internet and the news like the rat hole thing is doing now. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. But we're pretty sure it's a rat, not a frog. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't bet money Right. That it ends up being a frog in right. the end. You, you would I, not I bet against you would, so. you would not bet against a rat. So, right. Uh, right. Okay. So Dennis in uh, in Roscoe Village, even though you wanted me to say this, the uh, rat hole looks like a frog hole. Right. Okay. The rat hole looks like right. a frog hole. We're pretty sure it's a rat hole. But it does. It does look like a frog it hole. It looks yeah. like it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Dennis is not completely, and I think he because he's from Roscoe Village. I'm pretty sure it's like. Um, you know, we don't want people to think that Roscoe Village is overrun with rats who like to slam themselves into cement. So then, mm, well, <laughs> yeah, kind of the whole of Chicago. Well, I know, I a could, bit of a rat problem. Listen, so. I could wa- I could walk outside to the dumpster right now. My my dumpster's all the way in the back uh, to throw my garbage out, and uh, there'll be rats. I'll open up the garbage, and they'll, they'll run out. That's just Chicago. So anyway, but they're not leaving any rat holes in my in my uh, in my courtyard here. In the true, back. true. So, all right. Because otherwise, there'd be 1,500 people getting married in my back. <laughs> I can't believe yeah. somebody did And then that. the rat hole wouldn't be the rat hole anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It would move on and find, we'd move on and find something else to completely waste our time doing. So, all right. All right. Well, thank you, Dennis. And if you have a message that you would like to share with us via the magic megaphone, leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948 or an email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. So, there you go. All right, Chance the Snapper. I'm glad he's okay. I always mm-hmm. like that. I always yeah, like that he's doing dude. good in Florida. Yeah, I was like, I followed that story because it was like I was, you know, it was, and then like I, everybody was really happy when Snap got, when Chance the Snapper got, uh, you know, got rescued and freed. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was a mm-hmm. nice story as opposed to people getting married at a rat hole and driving everybody in right. Roscoe Village crazy. <laughs> so. All right. Okay, well, thank you for that uh, magic uh, megaphone. So then we get to talk about the rat slash frog hole. In uh, in Roscoe Village, and don't get married by the rat hole. Come on, people. 
Well, someone money. already did it. So they did it. yeah, it's it already okay. unique. Well, let's get divorced. Somebody will get divorced now. They'll have a divorce well, proceeding. There you go. There it yeah. is. All right. All right. Um, you know, uh, we got some fun responses from people uh, with uh, about uh, witty retorts. Someone uh, emailed uh, me and said that they love when, when we were talking about the witty retorts and comebacks. Mm-hmm. That they they loved uh, the Mad Magazine thing that I mentioned the uh, snappy answers to st- or uh, snappy answers to stupid questions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is similar to what we were talking about. And I have some more witty retorts here, Esmeralda. So this is this is one of my favorites. This involves Dennis Hopper. Now we all love Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper was was a crazy man, um, uh, multi talented, good director, a really great director, and a really good actor, and an interesting dude who lived. Man, did he live a life! This guy. <laughs> there was a period of time when he was doing every drug known to mankind, and he was living on different planets, uh, but still maintaining an, an, an address on Earth, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But a good dude. I met. I got to not to name drop or anything, but I got to I got to meet Dennis Hopper, and I was very very pleased. And he signed um, some really some cool stuff for me. And um, I told him that my favorite movie that he directed was Out of the Blue, and he seemed genuinely shocked because he directed that movie while he was on all kinds of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "You that's your favorite movie that I did?" And I said, "Yeah." And he's like, "Wow," because I don't think he really remembers. Yeah. And I love that movie. I love it. Um, but anyway, so Dennis Hopper, you know, he's made some shitty movies, as you know. Um, Esmeralda, you're, you're, I think you're aware. Yeah. He's made some mm-hmm. really yeah, shitty yeah. movies. And I'm not counting Waterworld because Waterworld rules, but a lot of people would count Waterworld because <laughs> he's the villain in Waterworld. But he's made a lot of bad movies, but he's also made a lot of great movies. But one of the bad movies, if you recall, um, Esmeralda, and I think we've talked about this movie before, was the Super Mario Brothers movie. Right. The original one. Not the animated one from yeah. last year. <laughs> the fact that you got to be like the original. Right. Isn't that, a no- isn't that crazy that we have to specify that now? The live that, action Super the, Mario. Yeah. And, and not, the, not the, 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 the cartoon one from last year where they don't want to talk like this. You know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a Mario. That kind of stuff. So, so the Super Mario yeah. Bros. movie that we're talking about, it was hot. Hoskins, Leguizamo, right? Bob Hoskins and and, mm-hmm. and John Leguizamo, and it was mm-hmm. it was terrible. It was terrible. And Ho- <laughs> Hopper made the, he he Hopper made the, he played the villain. Now you played Super Mario Brothers. We talked about this before, right? You played Super mm-hmm. Mario Brothers when you were a kid. Yeah. So was is Dennis Hopper um right to play the King Koopa? Is that the mm-hmm. well? Is, was, King is, Koopa is a giant like lizard man. So they didn't really in the in the live action the interpretation of King Koopa I guess works. Oh, okay. But okay. King Koopa like in the in the video game is like a big old giant. He's a crazy like movie. dragon? Okay. And I don't you know, remember like a lizard like a big ass fat lizard. Okay, so he's a <laughs> Because you know when I think oh, big got a, ass. He's got a shell. So he could be like a turtle. Like a mutant turtle, maybe? Like a snapping turtle? A snapping turtle. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe. these guys. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I don't. Okay. But he's a creature. He's not like. So Dennis Hopper playing him is yes. a weird. It's a weird choice, right? He is a creature. Yeah. He is some kind of creature. So, so some yeah. sort of. Uh, some sort of reptilian. Yeah. 
Yeah, he plays kind of like a human version of him, essentially. Because <laughs> he does, so in it, his hair, like the way they did his hair kind of denotes um, spikes. Yeah. Which Koopa has. Okay. Because he's an animal. He has like spikes on his, <laughs> uh, <laughs> on his back and he's got a shell. Um, so I guess they just like they did his it, hair. So looking spiky. at the, by the way, looking at the picture that they have in this article about the the witty retort um, mm-hmm. of Dennis Hopper as this character, he looks like he has, uh, um, he uh, looks like he has Lisa Simpson's hair. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't it kind of yeah, yeah. look like? Doesn't it kind of look like if if Lisa Simpson were a man, that would be the hair? That would be the Lisa Simpson hair, like in mm-hmm. real life, not animated. I don't know. I don't know. He also has apparently like a lizard tongue in it. Okay, I don't remember. I saw the movie once. I took a date to it, by the way, which worked out real well. Oh lord! Um, yeah, yeah, I thought I'd be you know, like, hey, it was, and it was, a, it was like a critic screening, a critic's uh, preview screening, and I thought, yeah, uh-huh. it's, yeah, I mean, I'll take a chick to a to a a public and pr- critic screening. We'll sit in the roped off area, and I forgot that it was a shitty movie. I was like, oh, sorry. But anyway, here's what it says. So here, you ready, Esmeralda? Mm-hmm. After he made Super Mario Brothers, Dennis Hopper was asked by his then six-year-old son Henry why he, why did he play King Koopa. Uh, Hopper answered, "Well, Henry, um, I did that so that you could have shoes." <laughs> and then his six-year-old son Henry replied, "With Dad, I don't need shoes that badly." <laughs> Damn. Oh, that, that, yeah, yeah, man. Hell yeah. Wow. Yikes. Wow. wow. Even the kid knew. He's like, Even no, the kid, six-year-old kid saw it and went, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> now, you saw that movie, right? We've talked about that one, right? You saw that mm-hmm. one? Yeah. Did, did you yeah, see yeah. the new one? Did you see the one from last year, the animated one? I did not, no. Okay. Because I, right. I don't remember. I saw it. I saw it last Whenever it came out in the summer or whenever it was. Yeah. I don't remember anything. Like, I don't remember if there's a lizard at all. I don't remember if there's, I don't know. If there's um, I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, I just I remember know. it being, I just remember it being unbelievably bad. That's the only thing I remember about it. Um, well, there has to be. There has yeah. to be. Um, because he is the main bad guy. Oh, okay. The, uh... <laughs> okay. That's how much I remember of seeing that movie. That's how much I remember. I don't. Um, I mean, there's like different iterations, so it could be there's like so there's all these like lizard people. Okay. Yeah. In it. Okay, I vaguely so it remember could, that. It, it actually, it might be someone else. Okay. Who is I also don't, a lizard? I, I just remember <laughs> that maybe there were lizards name, or whatever. I, I, so yeah, his name is Bowser. Okay. Oh, actually, no. Sorry. He's a good sorry. guy. I think the lizard the was same... a good guy. No. No? So, okay. King, actually, you know what? King Koopa is the same. It's just okay. a different name for it. Oh, all right. He has different names and different things. But all Bowser, right. that's that's who it is in the new one. But okay. that's that's the same guy. It's the same. It's King Koopa. It's okay, Dennis it's the Hopper. Same dude. Right. It's Dennis <laughs> Hopper. Getting a new pair of shoes for his kid. That This kid's like, no. Yeah. I don't know. Uh-oh. 
Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's oh, hi. show. Hi, Carrie. Oh, Carrie's wearing a uh, she's wearing a King Koopa T-shirt. Oh, oh wow! Wow. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, hi, Carrie. and I right. love Did you know she Nick's was show. A fan? Yeah, I guess she might might be one of her uh, might be one of her big T-shirt selling designs. I don't know the. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. I would think because of the movie, you know. Because there've been two movies. Two movies. I, the only thing I remember about the the last one, the animated one, other than it being a piece of shit, was that they had like the cart too. Like they had the Mario Kart. They had like all the iterations of the video game like represented. Yeah. And and I just remember I was like, because for me, you know, I just know because I don't play any of the video games. And the last like game that I played in that world was Donkey Kong back in the early '80s. Like that's the only one I ever played. So for me, it's like a gorilla throwing barrels. At, mm-hmm. at a plumber, at a, at a plumber like jumping over the barrels. That's what it is for me. There's no carts. There's no lizards. I, I don't know. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. But it was now that was Nintendo, or was that? Mm-hmm. That yeah. was Nintendo. Okay, so the so the the that was a big Nintendo uh, game. All right. Okay. Well, I don't know. All right. Uh, are you ready for for another witty retort? Mm, yes. All right. It's movie related. Uh, Vincent Gallo directed uh, the movie Brown Bunny. Have you ever seen the Brown Bunny? I have not. That's the movie uh, uh, that Vincent Gallo wrote, directed, and starred in, and it is the movie with uh, an explicit uh, blowjob scene in which Chloe Sevigny gives uh, a Vincent Gallo uh, head, mm-hmm. and it's like completely shown. You know, so yeah, and it's it's a horrible movie, a horrible movie, and so Roger Ebert hated it and said Roger Ebert said it was the worst movie in the history of the Cannes Film Festival. Gallo then called him Vincent Gallo then called him a fat pig with the physique of a slave trader. Inspired by the words of a man with a smaller physique, Ebert continued with, "It is true that I am fat, but one day I will be thin, and you will still be the director of the Brown Bunny." <laughs> hmm. Oh, Roger, 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 Roger. So anyway, I actually know people who like that movie. All right. (laughs) I got nothing. I got nothing to say. I really got nothing to say. But anyway, Roger was always good at comebacks. He was always good at comebacks. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. I remember uh, he said he said to me one time after uh, Freddie got fingered screening. Mm-hmm. We were waiting at the <laughs> yes. elevator. We were waiting at the elevator, and I love Freddie Got Fingered. You know that. I Tom Tom Green's masterpiece. I think it's amazing. And I was laughing in the screening room, filled with people who were not laughing and who were angry. You know, right. So I get to the elevator because the screening room is up on like the seventeenth floor. Uh, you know, of this building in on Lake Street downtown, and I'm waiting at the elevator. Mm-hmm. And Roger comes up and he stands next to me, and um, we get on the elevator together. And then he goes, "Did you did you really? Because I heard you laughing. Did you like that movie?" And I was like, I was like, yeah, Roger, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. He's like, really? And then he just kind of looked at me and he goes, Jesus, Nick, I thought I knew you. <laughs> oh, no, damn. no. And I was like, damn, Roger. Okay. All right, cool. Um, so anyway, that, that was, uh, but Roger's always good. Roger was one of the funniest and I mean, obviously a great film critic and a great writer and a brilliant dude mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and, and slammed Vincent Callow. You'll always be the director of the Brown Bunny. Yes, he will. So, anyway. All right, we got more witty retorts that we can do. But you want to ju- jump over to Poland for a little while, Ezra? Sure, sure. So uh, you got that booklet 
um, from mm-hmm. the. I, I love it. Uh, first of all, I love the lady on the front. She's like, she's got like a. Does she have a rat on her shoulder? Is that what's happening? Is that? Um, did, I believe she does. And did, did maybe that's the rat that left the rat hole in in Roscoe Village? You see how everything becomes you know circular here. Right. So that's Marie Curie. Oh, is that who that is? Okay. All right. That's yeah. Who that is. Okay. So that's Marie Curie. Okay. And away we go to Poland. Um, so, um, so there's all kinds of facts about Poland in here and what's on the cover. Oh yeah. There it explains what's on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, well, why don't you read what's on the, to explain what that is for everybody. Cause it, it comes up on uh, February 11th, international day of women and girls in science is February 11th. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't it, see where you're looking oh, it's at. A, it, oh, okay. It's the it's the if you open up the it's you open up the page, it's the it's it's the first it's like inside the first page. It says what's on the cover. Oh right. Yeah. So it's Marie Curie. So mm-hmm. she is um if you didn't know <laughs> she is a a, a very uh, famous scientist from Poland. Yes. She discovered radium and pol polonium. Yes. So it was named after Poland. There you go. Uh, you can also meet the European bison, who's 1,300 pounds. There's all kinds of trivia about Poland in here. But the two snacks that we're going to try, here's the, which one do you want to go to first? Because here's what we have. We have the dark chocolate marshmallow bar, which is mm-hmm. Poland's iconic pillowy cocoa-flavored treat, or the original monster munch potato snack, which is Poland's saltiest, scariest potato snack. Which one would you like to try first, Esmeralda? Um, let's do, let's do the salty. Okay. So So we'll do the chips. Here's what they say about it. Fun fact, every year, the average pole eats over 250 pounds of potatoes. Wow. That's heavier than a baby elephant. So how are all these taters eaten? Beyond pierogi, there are potato pancakes, there are mashed potato dumplings, there are plum-stuffed potato balls, and for snacks, there's one clear standout that's Monster Munch. With their light and airy crunch, perfect sprinkling of salt, and ghoulishly fun shapes, these potato crisps are nothing short of a national treasure beloved by all across the country. So here we go. We're ready to try the Monster Munch? Yeah. And what's funny is they have a version of this in England. They um, do? With a bunch of, yeah, different monsters and things like that, and different flavors, too. Mm, okay. So this is the original flavored crispy potato snack Monster Munch. We'll try it. Mmm. That's good. Mmm. Yeah. They taste yeah. like if you've ever had munchos. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're very tasty. I could see why you would you could eat this all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. By the way, don't the monsters themselves kind of look like the stuff you, the dudes you eat in Pac-Man? Or like yeah. Eat? I mean, they look like ghosts. They do. Yeah. <laughs> They look like little ghosts, and they're very happy. Which, in my mind, I'm like, not technically monsters. But... No. And they're very happy. They're like smiley. There's nothing really scary about them. Mm-hmm. And one of them's given the, the one in the bottom right corner on the bag is, like, giving a thumbs up and an okay sign. Like, hey, eat us. Yeah. Well, so. you know, as we've learned in Monsters, Inc., not all monsters are oh. scary monsters. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Very, very good point. All right. So I like the uh, Monster Munch potato snack mm-hmm. from Lawrence. From Lawrence, R uh, L O R E N Z. Mm. 
Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, um, hey, did you know that? Um, here's a little trivia for you. Mm-hmm. In the city of po- Pozan, Poznan, mm-hmm. the water supply is controlled by uh, A, 10 preschoolers, B, a groundhog, C, eight clams, or D, a psychic. Clams. You're going to say clams. And yes, you're right. The f- <laughs> yeah, eight clams. The clams of Poznan's water treatment plant all have sensors fixed to their shells. If all eight clams close a reaction to unsafe pollutants in the water, the sensors will trigger the water supply to shut off. Luckily, it hasn't happened in the 26 years that the clams have been employed. So locals can drink their tap water feeling happy as clams. How about uh-huh. that? <laughs> all right so there's a town in poland whose water supply is actually controlled by some clams mm, wow. interesting isn't that fascinating <laughs> all right so the next one is the uh this is all written in uh in polish um and i did do the translation and it did say like chocolate vanilla mm. it did say chocolate vanilla when i did the translation on my google lens thing right uh, but it's like potassi milk co, which I'm completely demolishing, obviously. But according to this, it is, as I mentioned, dark chocolate marshmallow bar, Poland's iconic pillowy cocoa-covered treat. Um, it says, ask anyone in Poland for the country's most famous chocolate, and they'll point you to the E. Waddell Company. It's just as famous in Poland as Hershey's is in the U.S., not to mention 40 years older. Founded all the way back in 1850, 1851. Ask what Ede Waddell's most famous confection is, and you would be pointed to this yum. Uh, named Ptatsky Milkwipla, after a Greek idiom meaning uh, an unobtainable delicacy, this fluffy dark chocolate-coated vanilla marshmallow treat skyrocketed to popularity after Jan Waddell first crafted it in 1936, and it's still beloved today. Okay. Have you tried it? Uh, not yet, no. Okay, I'm going to open it up now. It's a colorful little packet. It looks like a candy bar, like a smaller candy bar. So let's see what this this beloved candy bar tastes like. Hold on a second. All right. There we go. All right, let's try it. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Oh, it's very soft. On the inside, there's no crunchy. I mean, it's just marshmallow. Yeah, it's marshmallow. It's like a mallow cup. You know the mallow cups? Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's yeah. like a it's like yeah. a bar it's like a bar shaped mallow cup. The dark chocolate is nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. I'm not a big marshmallow fan. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So the dark chocolate marshmallow bar. It is. For people who are familiar with the mallow cup, that's kind of what it's like. It's like the, um, it's like a dark chocolate version of the Mallow Cup, but shaped like mm-hmm. a, uh, shaped like a bar. So yeah, the dark chocolate's nice. Yeah, it is. The dark chocolate's very cool, very nice. Okay, all right. So there you go, learning about Poland from our box of snacks from Universal Yums. So the Monster Munch, <clears throat> very tasty, mm-hmm. light, mm-hmm. crispy potato yeah. snack. The monsters aren't scary at all. They seem very happy to be eaten. They. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> they seem That's they their seem main fun. goal in life. That's their main goal in life is we are we, we are here for you to eat us and we're very happy about it. Thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> so those are nice salty snacks that are um that are very you know, I could I could eat an entire bag of these things. No question about it. Oh yeah, they're delicious. They are delicious. Um and then the other is the I can't pronounce it, the unpronounceable marshmallow uh dark chocolate bar. Which is also very tasty if you like marshmallows, and it's got that sort of um, marshmallowy, thick consistency that's uh, that's kind of chewy and very much like a mallow cup. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Poland. They have a yum shop where you can uh, where you can order your 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 yums at universalyums dot com, and all the nutrition facts are in here. In case you're very, you know, in, in case you're concerned, uh, there is mm-hmm. a there is a Polish people poem puzzle. There is exploring the forest. Polish sayings. Um, like, um, let's see, phrases and exact translations. One of them is, not my circus, not my monkeys, which is a popular phrase in Poland. No, all right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means or how that's applicable, but there it is. You haven't, you've never heard that? No. No, I not haven't. my circus, not my monkeys. No, I'm not, I don't think I've ever heard that in my life. Is, is that a common phrase? I mean, I've heard it. Really? Um, yeah. It okay. just means you know whatever problem is happening. It's like, well, that's none of my business. So it's so it's not so my circus, not my, not my circus, monkeys. not my monkeys. Yeah. How have I never heard that? How is I it don't know. I've never heard that. Wow. I've been living. I've been living in a cave. If I've never heard that. <laughs> but I can understand. It's clever, and it's, it makes sense. It's like hey, it's not my problem. I don't want to part. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to deal with this. Get away from me. It's not my not my circus. Not my monkeys. Okay. All right. How about throwing peas into onto a wall? No, that's that's a, not a popular. That is not a that is not a universal phrase. No. Okay. <laughs> well, throwing peas into a wall. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me see what the answer is to that. Hold on. Uh, wait a minute. Polish saying is doing what number? What number is that? Uh, throwing peas into a wall. Number five is is falling on deaf ears. So mm. if you, okay, so like, hey, talking to you is like throwing peas in, onto a wall. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you're not listening to me. You're not getting the message. I've been telling you this a bunch of times. It's falling on deaf ears. So ah, oh, man, it's like throwing peas onto a wall. Yeah. Let's see yeah. if we can use that into a regular conversation during the week. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's test that out. Yeah, you know, talking to you is like throwing peas onto a wall. And then they're going to say, I don't care because it's not my circuit. It's, it's not my monkeys. So yeah. <laughs> so there it is. All right. Well, we had circus. We had monkeys. We had rats. We had all kinds of stuff uh, on the uh, on the episode today. Very animal-friendly so, episode. Very animal-friendly episode. Because <laughs> Poland, Poland is very animal-friendly. And we'll, talk more about that and eat some more of the snacks from Poland on the next uh, the next uh, episode. By the way, on the next episode, Dr. Keith Lipinski is going to join me, Esmeralda, from AAW nice. Pro Wrestling nice. to talk about the year in wrestling and uh, what, what, uh, what will have happened over the weekend at the Royal Rumble leading up to WrestleMania, which is coming up. Mm. So Dr. Keith Lipinski will join me on the next episode. Uh, Esmeralda, you will join me on the next episode for more fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll figure out a couple of more snacks from Poland to taste, and talk about some other things. We'll, and we'll uh, probably wrap up the witty retorts as well. Uh, maybe Roger Ebert will have a few more in there. Who knows? 
Yeah. <laughs> My thanks to Amy Guth, who you can hear on the Crane's Business Daily Gist podcast um, and look for her movies hitting festivals worldwide at some point. So that's all coming up. And my thanks to... Hi, uh I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. That's right. And my thanks to you. If you want to be a part of the show, you want to be a sponsor, we'd love to have you advertise with us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Drop us a line. We can hook you up. Voicemail 24-773-417-6948. Email anytime, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and sound. Ed Silla and Radio Misfits does everything else. Uh, share, rate, review us on every platform, and uh, listen to our 24-hour live streaming service with a great bunch of programs, including all the podcast episodes and unheard music. And you can hear that for free at radiomisfits.live. Radiomisfits.live. And we will see you for episode number 215 of the Nick D Podcast next time, right here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks, everybody. The wind is right on me.